Welcome to the Balanced Collective, where we love to go deep, talk big, and get real. I'm your host, Danielle Boyd, and every episode is going to bring a new concept or guest to talk all about things wellness, balance, and alignment. Our purpose here is to bridge the concepts of science and spirit to bring wellness and ease into the lives of our listeners while not taking life too seriously. We like to get down and deep into our shadow while keeping things raw, fun, and real. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get to it. Hello, friends. Happy uh, whatever day of the week it is right now. I hope that you're all doing really well um, and really using this time to reflect on perhaps what is most valuable to you. I know for me, I've really had a bit of a, a change in perspective in terms of what's really important and perhaps what's less important than maybe I put emphasis on um, what I've really truly found to be of most importance is human connection. And my guest today, Natalie Karen Seha, wow, connection is her thing. And our conversation was incredible. And I'm really, really excited to share this with you. Uh, Natalie is a confidence coach and really helps specifically women um, in relationship, in romantic relationship, and in relationship with, you know, family, friends, Coworkers, etc. Uh, her programming and coaching sessions are incredible, and I'm so grateful to have had the conversation that we had recently. Um, I'll let her explain a little bit more about the work that she does. But wow, I was blown away by this conversation. So I won't waste any more of your time, and I will let Natalie get to it. Please welcome my next next guest, Natalie Karen Seha of Natalie Karen Seha Coaching. Awesome! Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank I'm- you for having me. I'm so excited to just, I mean, we're in such a strange time right now. I think that what uh, the work you're doing is going to be absolutely invaluable to people during this time. So thank you. I'm really looking forward to unpacking some of your your amazing nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> Yay, me too. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. Amazing. Um, before we dive into the work, I've really been trying to, I mean, myself, dissociate the work I do from my identity and in an effort to do that. I've been asking everyone on the show, um, who is Natalie the human outside of the work that she's doing? <laughs> I love this question. I love this. Um, and it took me, when you kind of like put this question to me, I was like, oh, who am I? It was actually a really great journal <laughs> prompt, I have to say. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think when I'm not doing what I'm doing, I'm, I'm a bit of a goofball. I sing everything I'm doing around the house to my husband. Like he even is like, if anybody was a fly on the wall, they would wonder what was wrong with us. You know, <laughs> silly dancing. Like we're always, we're very goofy. I'm a very goofy, silly person who has a very deep love for nineties music. And that's pretty much sums me up pretty well. <laughs> I love it. It's play. It's fun. It's just like the essence of joy. (laughs) Mm, Exactly. You need it. Amazing. Um, and I mean, obviously we're, we're living in this world of, of isolation and you're probably spending a ton of time with your husband right now. Um, are you able to, to kind of unpack your, your isolation situation? I can't even like that doesn't roll off the tongue very nicely. Isolation uh, situation. It sounds like a rap song. It does. Like Like it's a title of something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Maybe that'll be our new band when all this is done. (laughs) There you go. There you go. 
I know, right? How are you dealing with this isolation right now? How's it been impacting you and your relationship and, and everything that you're going through right now? Yeah, I mean, not too badly, actually. I'd like to, I, I thought I was going to um, panic a lot more and be sort of more struck by fear, but I've been able to stay pretty grounded. Um, my other half and I, because I work from home and then he's got quote unquote laid off from his job. Um, so we're both, like you said, we're both home a lot together at the moment. So it has been really important to set some boundaries in terms of having our own environment. So I'm still trying to keep to some kind of work schedule. So I've got my own office. Um, he actually signed up for a course during isolation. So he's actually pretty occupied with that. And I give him his space and, you know, we try not to be engaging in conversation every second of the day just to give each other that mental space so so far so good um making sure I'm getting outside I feel very grateful being where we live here in the mountains so been getting outside um, we had actually two nights ago me and the girls jumped on a zoom call and shared a shared one of the girls shared her computer screen and we played like a really fun game and we were drinking wine and I was drinking vodka and it got pretty loud. It was so much fun. So, so far, so good. I'm not trying really hard to stay grounded. Amazing. I couldn't imagine doing this without, you know, Zoom or Skype and FaceTime. Like this has been, it's the absolute greatest gift we could have during this time to help us really connect and, you know, see people's faces and smiles and eyeballs and expressions. And I mean, that really is it just speaks to the power of human connection. And yeah, I mean, there's a reason that zoom stock has gone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, this is like you said, it's so important. It's such a gift we've got right now, especially for those people who can't see their families, right? There are people who are a little bit separated that way. It's making it a lot easier for people to stay connected with family. Big time, big time. What, I mean, aside from obviously connecting via via Zoom and FaceTime with your people, what have been some of your other um, coping skills or like some of your non-negotiable self-care things or routines that you've really implemented during this time? For me, routine has been really important for me. So most, most mornings I have like this beautiful morning routine. I do it like a self yet self-led yoga. Um, then i tend to meditate a lot of the time. Cause I teach about mo- emotional regulation. I, every morning when I wake up, I do like a, it's like a, a subconscious visualization that allows me to tap into the emotion I want to feel that day. So actually over the last couple of weeks, it has been love. Um, I've been tapping into just because it helps ground me as well. Um, journaling has been really powerful for me, just writing down if I am feeling a bit skittish or there's some anxiety bubbling to the surface, um, things that I'm celebrating, things I'm grateful for being in my journal has helped as well. Keep me, I mean, throughout my, for the last four years, journaling has been non-negotiable, but even more now than ever. So those kind of three things, having a morning routine to set me up for the day has been really, really powerful. Amazing. And I mean, in this time, it's so easy to kind of lose track of what time of day or what day of the week it is. So, I know. You know, yeah. <laughs> right? What um, day is great. it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's Thursday, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously some of these tools are tools that you use in your work with clients. And so I'd love to like segue into the work you're doing. Um, you're a, you're a connection coach. So are, how did you describe it? You said an emotional confidence regulation coach. coach. Conscien- Co- okay. co- confidence coach. Yeah. It's a co- I'm a confidence coach and NLP Amazing. practitioner. And yeah, I help women in relationships. Amazing. I love that. Mm. Can you describe NLP? 
Yeah, of course. So it stands for neurolinguistics programming. So it's a modality that allows us as coaches or whoever decides to dive into this modality, it allows you to really understand the inner workings and the language of the subconscious mind, which the subconscious is very much responsible for the things you don't think about. So breathing, your heart rate, um, pulling nutrients from your food, but it's also responsible for your instinctual reaction. So when something is happening in your external environment, you know, what's, what's the first reaction that comes out of you? Is it anger? Is it, you know, you're responding to that anger and it gives an LP gives you this really great, um, I guess, opportunity to dive into that and understanding how we're behaving, why we're behaving a certain way and how to break that cycle. Wow. I love that. I've heard the term before, but never really actually unpacked it. I really, really like that. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. How did you find your way into your, into this line of work? Like what in your life has kind of led you down this pathway? Well, how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> All the time I mean, in the world, all, I have no appointments. <laughs> exactly. We don't know what day it is. I don't even know what time of day it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, ultimately, you know, my journey, it's like a lifelong journey, really. Um, I hit my, hu- my husband and I were now husband. Uh, we got married last year. Four years ago, um, we experienced like a, a rock bottom and nearly broke up. And it was a huge slap in the face. Neither of us were really ready to break up. And it forced me to have, it was like the biggest mirror of all time. It forced me to look at who I was, my behaviors, what was going on for me. Um, so, you know, it goes a little, once I started doing this inner work, it goes quite far back. You know, my parents divorced when I was nine. Um, I lost my dad to suicide when I was 19. And then from that age, I never actually, I don't, upon reflection, based on what I know now, I don't think I processed the emotions then very well. And I ran away. I distracted myself. I did everything I could to avoid grief. Um, There was parts of me that blamed myself for what happened as well, which, you know, as a 19 year old, that's a lot happening in your brain. Um, And then what basically happened after age 19 was the two years of my life after that was a blur. Like I was the executor of my dad's will. I, I, I was doing everything. So I was very much distracted from processing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then moving on from that, my, I went to Australia and I went traveling, which was a blessing, definite blessing, but it was also again, me running away. Um, So at traveling, and this is actually where I met Gary, who's now my husband, and we got into a relationship. And for the first couple of months of the relationship, it was great. I was in Australia in this new environment. I felt like, you know, I was learning more about who I was and who I wanted to be. And then as, as everything with a working holiday visa, it runs out. And so I had to go home and I'm from England, Gary's from Scotland. So we weren't too far away from each other when we came back home. And then I decided to moved to Scotland and be with him and his family. And that was when I had my very first experience of anxiety. It hit me like a train. I started to feel very insecure in my relationship. I didn't feel like I had any independence. Um, I was very dependent on Gary. You know, I, I couldn't even go to the shops by myself. And this kind of kept going, right? This kept going. And then we moved to Canada. And then that, that shift in environment shook me up again. And I was very much somebody who projected my emotions onto onto Gary. I was very much somebody who blamed him for a situation. I, I hated the idea of him being out with friends when I wasn't there because I was so caught up in this, what, what I know now is fear of abandonment because of what had happened mm. to me throughout my life. I was so caught up in this. There was anxiety in the mix. You know, it's very much, I was 
an emotional, I don't know, pressure cooker, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then six years into our relationship, you know, it, it got too much. And my other half and I, I'll never forget the days lying on the dining room floor, bawling my eyes out thinking this is it. It's over. Like I've done this. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than feeling in your stomach that you are responsible for a lot of what happened. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I went through this journey, you know, for the, those couple of months were really rocky. Um, I went through this journey of realizing I needed my own independence back, which I think is really important in a relationship. I need to start doing things for myself. I really needed to unpack the emotions that I hadn't processed. And I just needed to start taking action. I knew I didn't want to be that version of myself anymore. And so I actually started off um, studying nutrition, which was a really cool thing to do for yourself. That then ignited the desire to help other people with nutrition and anxiety. So then that went down that path. I was getting much better as well. My mental health was improving. Our relationship, like, I'm not kidding. Within six months of me starting to do this work, my relationship was just shifting massive amounts, like crazy amounts. I had friends saying to me, you know, Nat, like whatever you're doing, it's working. It was very, apparently very visible. Um, and then I kind of shifted into mindset because a lot of my nutrition program did have a bit of mindset work in it. And I started to notice people were really just not wanting to move past the mindset bit. They were loving it. They weren't doing the meal plans, you know, and I started to make the connection that a lot of this work that people need to be doing is inner work and in their mind, which then led me into falling down the rabbit hole of, of neuro-linguistics programming. And then I was like, holy smokes, like this, you know, maybe unintentionally I've been doing this to myself. And then it just gave me so many answers. And then now um, I specifically help women find their own confidence and security inside their relationships, which really is very important and something I'm passionate about. Wow. I like, there's so much I want to unpack within all of that, but I think the <laughs> biggest, <laughs> the biggest thing to really commend is the fact that you took ownership and responsibility for what had happened in your relationship and in your life. And now you're able to apply that learning to help others and support others through their journey. So how amazing that you've been through it, you've hit the rock bottom and now you're able to, you know, coach other people to to support them through whatever they're experiencing in that context. So, yeah. wow. Thank you. <laughs> it's always, Thank you. It's always amazing when you work with someone who has been there, who knows what it feels like, who can absolutely relate to you and then yeah. show you that it can get better. So, you know, thank you for being that, that leader and that, uh, that coach with the experience. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very, I am very grateful to be able to do this now. And I truly believe for anyone listening, your struggle is going to become your superpower. It is like, it's going to become the thing that you get to lead other people with. And I, you know, I look back on that now. I never would have, if someone had, when I was 19, had said that to me, I'd be like, what are you even talking about? What is this <laughs> nonsense? But honestly, now I look back and I'm like, obviously wish none of it had happened, but also I'm like, I'm, I'm here now because of all of that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And and obviously those are some very major hardships that you've you've been through. And what you've done is you've, you know, you've taken taken the lessons from them and applied them to to what you do now. So yeah, I mean, mm. we always wish perhaps that things would have gone differently, but I mean the le the least we can do is just learn from it and grow and, exactly. and expand. 
Yeah, Amazing. absolutely. Thank you. So working with clients now, what are some of the major tools that you use with your clients? Obviously NLP is a big piece of that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the most powerful tools that you find are the most effective for working with, with clients in the coaching context? Um, I mean, ultimately visualization. I do mm-hmm. the thing to understand about the subconscious is it speaks in visuals and symbols. It's very symbolic. So to give you an example of this, you know, if um, I was to tell you to, if I, even if it was just to say the word mountain to you, you don't see the word mountain. You just see an image of a mountain and that's because mm-hmm. your subconscious has gone into that memory bank and it just brings up an image. So I feel visualization is very powerful. And the interesting thing with, with this is that some people feel like they're not very good at it. And the interesting thing is with NLP and the, how we're taught to lead visualizations is that you don't have to feel consciously good at it because your subconscious is listening and you can trust that. So that's pretty cool. Um, journaling as well, I find is so, um, powerful at getting the mess that you feel in your head out on paper, having somewhere safe to store it, um, getting things feeling like things can get in order with your mind. And I also help lead clients in understanding how to journal as like a process of self-inquiry just to help them get to their own solutions. Because as a coach, what I don't want to happen is they don't know how to do it on their own. So I often Mm -hmm. teach clients how to use journaling to facilitate those those uh, subconscious rewiring bits and pieces. Yeah. What are some of your favorite journaling prompts right now? Um, Any question that begins with how always, Mm. if anybody is um, starting is always ask how, not why. Um, For me right now, especially with what we're going through in, in quarantine and isolation is what emotion am I choosing to experience right now? Mm. And that's, I worded that specifically using NLP because we, whether we consciously are aware of it or unconscious, we are choosing the emotion that we want to experience. Um, And it's really important that we can unpack that in our journals and realize that, oh, I have some responsibility and I have some control over how I experience what I'm feeling. So that's probably my most favorite prompt right now to use. Mm, I really like that. And what if someone like, what's a really good tool right now for someone who, you know, maybe doesn't have a journal right in front of them. If they all of a sudden feel triggered, is there Mm. a question that you have clients ask themselves just in the moment of, of feeling a particular emotion? Yes. Who do I want to be right now? Oh, I love that. And for those people who don't feel, I have had clients who don't like the idea of writing or they feel like their mind is moving super, super fast. Um, You can just go into the voice notes on your phone and just get everything out there. Just like you were talking to a friend. Yeah. I really like that. It's quick, it's easy. And it's Mm. like, it's faster than, than using a pen, I guess. So I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And our phones are always super handy. So (laughs) exactly. Well, it was always there. So (laughs) might as well use it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, In your work, you talk about the trifecta of confidence. Um, I would love to unpack this a little bit more because I just love the, I love the, the terminology around it, but what is the trifecta of confidence? Yeah. So over the time I've been coaching, I've been really trying to, at the end of every year, I always reflect on the coaching previous and what my clients and I have worked on specifically. And this year, um, 
I started to recognize that the main areas that have really made that or created that sustainable foundation for confidence is emotional elegance and emotional intelligence. So being very aware of how to regulate your emotions, how to look at them objectively, how to um, not make them mean anything about you as a, as a human being. Um, the second piece of the trifecta is learning to be intentional with communicating. So, you know, understanding how words impact each, each person who's involved in the communication, um, communicating with yourself, um, and really sort of understanding how to, how to get into that communication of the subconscious. And then the final piece of the trifecta is cultivating courage. So learning how to, step up before you're ready, how to create your own independence when you don't feel ready, especially in your relationship. I find that's really, really important. So those are the three pieces. And I think they create a stage for confidence to hang out on permanently. I love that. Um, you mentioned emotional elegance and emotional intelligence. What, um, do you use those interchangeably or is there a subtle difference between them? And I'm assuming that there, there is. <laughs> no, you know what? It's just because I felt like, I don't know why I had two clients, both of two separate clients and they were both ballet dancers. They are both still, they're still ballet dancers. <laughs> and I was a ballet dancer for 10 years. And, um, I don't know why the word elegance just sounded better. And when I was creating my program called emotional elegance, I was like, well, I don't want to call it like emotional intelligence because it doesn't sound me. It doesn't sound very kind of feminine. And then I was like, I literally was just like, what would the alliteration be if I was to use another word beginning with Ian elegance popped up right away. And so I used the ballet dancer for the, for the branding of it. And <laughs> I've just decided to stick with that term instead of emotional intelligence. So they're both the same thing really. I really like that because I mean, like in, in my mind, intelligence and elegance are, are two different things and obviously they can, they can affect each other, but intelligence to me, it just makes me think that like, I, it's something I need to study or it's something I need to acquire knowledge wise, whereas elegance is something, it's just a, it's an essence. It's a, it's a way yeah. of, of being. So I, I really like that. Yeah. I love, I love that. that. Great wording. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's my favorite program. I, I, it took me a long time to bring it out a long time until I was ready to actually teach emotional elegance. So it's my baby. Amazing. Well, <laughs> and obviously you yourself became ready as you kind yeah. of walked through these different experiences and, and these courses and these, these things that we can offer obviously become available to us to, to offer when we're ready. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When we're ready. Um, the second piece of that. Okay. So we have emotional elegance. The second yep. piece was the, um, intentional communication. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. What does that mean? Honestly, it just means thinking before you speak mm. really and making sure that you have clarity around how your communication is interpreted because I do believe that it is your responsibility um, or be to be responsible for how the other person interprets the way that you speak. And for a lot of the time, this is where we can experience a lot of conflict in our relationships because we speak before, before we've thought about it, before we've given ourselves space, before we've given ourselves to like anchor into our own values and what, what we're really wanting to mean with the way that we speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I reflect upon my relationship and the kind of 
the tight, the darkness, so to speak. I didn't know. I just had no idea how to speak about my emotions. I would just launch into conversation and blurt things out. I would often regret what I said, you know, and I've really learned to slow that down. And journaling is really powerful for this too, to help facilitate this, this piece of the trifecta. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's just anchoring your communication to your values, who you want to be as a person and how you want the other person to interpret the meaning that you're portraying. I like that. And I really like that you mentioned clarity too, because sometimes we speak without actually truly knowing why or what we're trying to communicate. We're just, you know, like really getting clear on, on what you are trying to communicate is, is huge. And I know, you know, in my relationship, I've, I've very easily just blurted things out without even really thinking it through. And it's Mm. so easy to do that and then expect the other person to just read your mind or understand what you're trying to say without, you know, presenting that with clarity. So that's, it's huge. Yeah. And that's actually why it's really, really important. I suppose the way that I, that I teach and the way that I recommend anybody to get to the point of intentional communication is to first learn how to regulate your emotions because we often, the blurting out, the not thinking before we speak happens because we act from a low vibration emotion. And it's mm-hmm. important to identify that, acknowledge it, release it before we then speak. So that's why, you know, if you, if you really want to get to a place of being really um, connected with the way that you communicate, really dive into processing emotions and learning them and journaling on them before, before expecting yourself to get to that point of intentional communication. And that I assume kind of comes back to that emotional elegance piece is is learning your own emotions, learning what they feel like in your body, learning, you know, what triggers them and and really, really getting intimate with that, that piece of you. Yeah, definitely. There's a method, method to my coaching madness. (laughs) (laughs) I love it though. I love it because obviously the first piece of the trifecta is learning the emotional self and becoming aware of that. And then that will then lay the foundation for step two, which is the intentional communication, which then I assume lays the foundation for step three, which is, which is taking the courage. Yeah, exactly. And the big decisions. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Let's unpack the, the courage piece a little bit more. What does it mean to have that, that courageous communication? Ooh, now I've got lots of different ways that I describe this, but ultimately the, especially because I work a lot with women in relationships, we're looking to cultivate courage um, and confidence and security in themselves. Um, It's for having the courage to find your own independence, having the courage to go and do things by yourself, having the courage to not have to necessarily ask your partner to help you make a decision when you can actually fully trust yourself in a decision you're making for yourself. Um, it also involves, you know, really, um, embracing fear and allowing fear to actually lead you as opposed to, um, taking, keeping you stuck. And so for me, cultivating courage is getting with getting these incredible women to do things that are a little bit outside their comfort zone so that they can build this proof to look back on and go, huh, I, I can do that actually. And now I have proof of it. I'm actually able to create a new belief about myself, create a new, um, trajectory for myself. 
Right. And it sounds a little bit like fostering independence, which is something that obviously you, you think is you, in your work, you've done a lot of work around yeah. independence in relationship. And I think this is a good opportunity to really unpack that piece and maybe talk a little bit about codependence or, you know, interdependence or, you yeah. know, like independence of the individual within the relationship. Yeah. What is your approach to, you know, creating identity within a relationship individually? Yeah, I love this question so much because I, I feel like this for any anybody, if anyone was to ask me what's the most important, important piece of a flourishing relationship, a thriving relationship is your own independence because it's a double, double whammy really. You build an incredible relationship with your partner, but you're also building an incredible relationship with yourself. And so it's really important that the main focus and anything is that how do I regain my independence and my own individuality? And you know, somebody asked me this the other day and, you know, I came to the, the, it's the idea that when you're doing your own thing separately, there's actually more opportunity for connection when you come back to each other, you know, the little things like there's more to talk about, there's more to high five each other on. You can celebrate each other separately. You can, um, I don't know, like have your own world while you're inside your relationship because something I know knew for sure for myself and I think every every woman or even guy in a relationship can relate to this is that in the beginning you throw yourself in you're all in it's all about the relationship and if we're not mindful at the beginning we can lose ourselves we can lose sight of what our own values are we can lose sight of what our own important core beliefs are and I think when you lose that you're just wide open for I don't know, some kind of tornado to come in. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, I was very codependent in my relationship. You know, I relied heavily on Gary for many things for, you know, validating me to help me to make decisions, um, to go places with me, um, to just be with me all the time. And as soon as I found that independence through doing things for myself, which, you know, was studying courses, you know, I started by just having a course that was just mine. I was learning it. Gary wasn't, you know, that was a, that felt like a really big step, but it ultimately it's just, just a little two millimeter shift that gives you something that's just yours. And then we pretty much, yeah, that, that's, that's the most important piece. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely in relationships it gives him something to exactly like you said, high five you on like, congratulations, you passed your exam or whatever it is. Exactly. That element of support. Yeah. Um, It can look look like whatever anybody mm -hmm. wants it to look like, right? Whatever independence means to you, that's perfectly okay. And as I think something just to, to note is that uh, there's a lot of fear in women about, you know, if I get my independence, does it look like I'm not paying attention to my relationship? Does it look like I'm neglecting the relationship? And ultimately it's the actual opposite. When you find your independence, you're actually nourishing your relationship. Right. I like that because you're working on self. Yeah. Is there in your opinion, and I mean, obviously it's going to be different for every single relationship. Is there such a thing as, as too much independence as, you know, like almost being ships in the night in a relationship sometimes? (laughs) I think so. I think there has to be this healthy balance. It's almost a bit like give and take. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you can take it in turns on who makes the decisions and have those kinds of boundaries with each other. I think obviously there needs to be actual spending time together and being in each other's presence and connecting definitely like there would be no relationship without that. So there is a healthy balance, you know, it's not a case of you're going on a girl's weekend every weekend or that you're, um, you know, you're out all day every day and then you're not doing any kind of 
connection with each other. So yeah, there has to be a balance between the two. Yeah, there can be too much independence and you will know about it um, if there is too much. Right, because you're going to be craving that connection with Exactly, the or your partner is literally going to bring it up and say, you never spend time with me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite ways uh, to connect within relationship? You know, like obviously fostering this independence and having our own unique individual lives is incredibly important. Mm. When we do reunite and bring it in together, what are some of your favorite uh, connections or ways to connect with your partner? For me, ultimate, like doing things that bring us both joy, so that we both, we both feel the same kind of joy. So it could be, you know, going for a drive, going camping, um, watching a favorite. Sometimes it's the mundane things. I actually talked about this recently. Sometimes the best connection happens when you're doing like those simple things around the house, like sitting on the couch, you've had dinner and now you're eating a bar of chocolate and you're watching back to back netflix or something right and i think those are the pieces that we need to really focus on because we look past those things because we want all these elaborate ways to connect with each other when it's the things you're probably already doing in your relationship but you've just looked over it and so mm. really just be finding gratitude for the things that bring you those little pieces of joy like for me dancing around the house and then sometimes I'm singing and then my other half will finish off the song because I'm singing about making my dinner you know just the fact that he knows what I'm probably going to sing next like that's awesome I love that so connection in the mundane things I think to be grateful for those is going to really just create some, some magic. I really like that because it's, it's so easy to just, you know, treat that as, you know, kind of whatever you want to call it, you, you know, like just the mundane, the, you know, the, I don't know what it is, but the, the normal within a relationship, yeah. but those things really are special. That's when our like true authentic selves come out is when we're right? being goofy and making dinner or we're, you know, like dancing around the house or whatever it is. That's when we can, if we can be in truth and be 100% our authentic highest self with that person, whether you're making dinner or you're, you know, hiking on the Amalfi coast, it doesn't matter how exotic or how big of an adventure it is. If you are in truth and your authentic self in whatever context, then that's beautiful. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. You said that as perfect. That's amazing. Being your authentic self. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What does it mean to you to be your authentic self? Leading with love, leading with my heart. Yeah. I that. think I find we all put so much pressure on ourselves to show up in a certain way, especially like if you're running your own business or you're in a relationship, or even if you're with your friends, I feel like people put these crazy expectations on themselves that actually take them so far away from who they actually are. And I feel like when you anchor back into your heart and into just, Oh, what brings you joy, you come home to yourself, I think. And that's probably the best way to, to find your authentic self. I reckon. I love that. I, I really like that. And it's, it's interesting. I've, I've been journaling a little bit lately after, you know, after meditating and breath work and some of the questions that have come up and, um, it's funny, actually I did a breath work session on Tuesday night. What day is it again? Um, and one of the questions that, you know, was our, our prompt leading into it was what brings you joy. And it was funny because I almost had to pause for a minute. I was like, you know, what does really truly bring me joy? Sometimes we become so disconnected that we, we forget what actually brings us joy. And I realized I was like, dancing around the house makes me really, really happy going for a walk in nature. And sometimes it's so simple, simple things. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. I feel like people would always try to make these big 
lists of bungee jumping, going on vacation to Hawaii. And you're like, hang on a sec, let's bring this back a little bit. Like what actually brings you joy that you can tap into every single day? Because those, like we just said, those are the things that matter the most because they're right at your fingertips, right at your fingertips. They happen every day. So why not, you know, make the most of them? Yeah, exactly. Pop on your favorite 90s jam and you dance around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that. It's, it's, it's really, really, it's really fun. Like it's, that is joy at its truest essence. Yeah. Literally Um, you can bring joy to any, any activity really. It's just a mindset, isn't it? It's a, it's a perspective choice. It's a choice. Exactly. It is a choice that we have the ability to make every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes they're more challenging than others. Obviously right now there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty and it is harder to make that choice, but it is still an option that we have to choose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, something I want to pivot into, and I know that this is something that you, you like to, to speak to a little bit more, um, in relationship, obviously, you Mm. know, like there's different, all sorts of different formats of relationship, but there's always going to be a balance of a feminine and masculine energy, no, no matter, you know, whatever the gender standards are within that relationship. How would you define, um, or how would you explain that balance of energy or how, what would you define as kind of a more masculine energy and what's more of a feminine energy to you? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I feel like the masculine is the doer and the Mm. feminine is the one who can just be. Mm. So I feel like in a relationship, you both need a balance of both. You're going to have one that's a little bit more dominant. Obviously in guys, I feel like they have a more dominant masculine energy. Whereas women, we do have a little bit more of a dominant feminine energy. And this is interesting because some of the work that I do with, with my clients is inner child work. And NLP gives you that modality to kind of help with that. And I think if there are women I find who are very much in their doing, almost pushing energy in a relationship, it can be very repelling to the person that they're in the relationship with. And a lot of the time, like if you find, if you are that person that's always doing, always pushing, always forcing, always being the leader, mask, that could be quite a toxic masculine energy that can take you right back to your relationship with your father from a very, very young age. And it could be something very small, nothing terrible, but it could be something small that's creating this need to be in this masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same, the other side with feminine feminine energy if you are in it a lot and it's you know it's not feeling healthy you're too flowy you're too being you're not getting things done um you may be very needy um that usually can take we can trace that right back to something in childhood and in relationship with your mother so for me in relationships the way i think this can beautifully show up is that you both get to embrace the doing and the being there's a a balance between the two for sure Right. And it's not role defined by which, which gender you no, have not assigned yourself. It's, it's, you know, balance of energy within, within self and within yeah. the relationship. Yes. How can we recognize if one is, you know, more dominant within us, within the relationship? What are some of your awareness strategies around, you know, what's going on energetically within us? Mm. If you find yourself with a lot of expectations, and you find yourself in this kind of, especially as a woman, if you find yourself in this cycle of disappointment, you might be in your masculine energy a little bit too much. You know, if there's a lot of expectations and you're putting a lot of expectations on your partner, on yourself, there's a lot of pressure. Um, 
you're constantly wanting to be the leader, you're always deciding, you can maybe identify there that, okay, I'm, I'm in my masculine energy too much. How can I, you know, loosen up? How can I just be, how can I be led rather than be the leader? Um, alternatively, if you are in your feminine energy a lot, so this would be like, um, you know, you're not getting things done. You're maybe too much in flow. There's not very much productivity. Um, I'm just trying to think of other examples of like when you could be too much in your feminine, you know, like I say, it gets to the needy place. It maybe gets mm-hmm. to the, um, seeking validation potentially, um, give yourself an opportunity to identify that and ask yourself, okay, how can I take some control back here? How can I take some self-leadership back here and get myself back into a place of doing a little bit more of being a little bit more of a leader? I think that's sort of where I would say would be the awareness pieces. Mm, I like that. And if you recognize that obviously one is, you know, in excess and perhaps another is, is, is in, what's the opposite of excess in, in under, I guess. You yeah. Call it. <laughs> in less, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> How can you call in the other one? Do you have any strategies for like really calling in more of a masculine energy or calling in more of a feminine energy? I feel like this would be different for everybody. I feel like everybody's going to have their own unique way of doing this. So for, I can speaking from like experience for me, if I know I've been doing a lot, which does tend to happen, I very much fall into my masculine quite a lot. And I know I'm doing it when I can feel I'm like my emotional signature that I'm too much in my, in my masculine is frustration. And I think Mm -hmm. if you know there's like an emotion that's a bit of a signal for you that you're pushing too hard, too much, what I tend to do is I get out and I ground. So I go out for walks. I do, I find that I'm very much more in my feminine when I'm journaling, uh, dancing, getting into my body, moving my body like yoga, you know, but also... I use my journaling to ask myself, why am I in my masculine so much? What is the belief underneath here that's pushing me a lot? And that gives you the opportunity. Exactly. And it gives you this opportunity to go, okay, I'm going to dive a little bit inwards here and a bit more self-inquiry and ask myself, okay, why am I pushing so much? And then on the other side, you know, if you wanted to get out of your feminine a little bit more is um, get yourself to a place where you are ticking off things on a to-do list, maybe, maybe asking yourself, okay, well, how can I bring some more structure in my life? And the, the inner work there could be, you know, do I have an aversion to structure? Do I have a bit of an aversion to, um, to-do lists? People ask, you know, pressure expectations and asking yourself, okay, well, why, why have I got such an aversion to it? And it gives you that opportunity to dive inward a little bit more and ask yourself, okay, what was going on here? Why am I so much in my feminine? What am I avoiding? I love that. This is giving me so much stuff to work on right now. It's, it's very funny like as, a, <laughs> awesome. as an entrepreneur, as you, as you are as well. Um, I find I often am very much in my masculine. I'm such a doer. I've got lists on the go constantly. I'm, you know, like I have emails tabbed off that are incomplete, you know, like mm. it's just, it's just, and I think it's, I'm, I'm grateful for it. It's been a gift that's helped me really move the needle forward in my own business. But it's very interesting because I find during this current situation, I'm not working at all. And I feel like the pendulum has swung in the complete other direction. And yeah. I'm 
100% like in flow, letting things happen and not accomplishing anything. Like I really, I, I went into this time with this, you know, like I'm going to get so much done and yeah. I have not moved the needle forward like barely at all. And it's been very interesting because I feel like I've swung from one direction to completely to the other. So this is a really, really great way to, you know, maybe center myself again and find some of that mm. balance and really do some of those, those great journal prompts that you've mentioned. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I think as well, I think we're in, we were, we're in a society where the doing side was nurtured a lot more. The masculine side has always been nurtured a lot more. It's been praised, you know, when you're productive or it's a well done, it's a pat on the back. So I feel like right now, especially in this kind of global correction that we're in, everyone is being forced to get uncomfortable by not doing. And Mm -hmm. I think it is a bit uncomfortable, especially like you say, as an entrepreneur, so used to just being on the ball and doing things like right now, you're like, Ooh, this feels weird. It feels unfamiliar, doesn't it? Completely. And there's, you know, strange things happening in my body. I've had like strange little aches and pains kind of come up. I've had, you know, just interesting sleep patterns and things like that. So Mm. I'm I'm noticing it energetically within my body as well, which has been, you know, this is all really, really great stuff that I can unpack with journaling and and with some of this emotional awareness. So definitely. I think Um, actually one thing I will add from, this is actually from my coaches. They, they, I was in a coaching session with them back in January and we were talking about the like masculine and feminine and marrying the two of them together. And they, you know, have suggested, you know, have, if you know, you have a day of like a lot of doing start your day in more the feminine. So start mm. your day more like out in nature, whatever that looks like for you, journaling, um, making yourself a beautiful breakfast of really tapping into your senses just so that way then you have, you're starting your day from a flow place, which then gives you this opportunity to approach the masculine in a more balanced kind of way. And I really loved that they cr- helps, you know, it helps create structure in your day, um, when you start with the feminine. I really like that. And it just, it, yeah, exactly. It sets the intention for the day and it sets mm-hmm. that, that grounding energy and really brings you home. I really like that. Yeah. Um, now, obviously we've talked a lot about entrepreneurship and, yeah. and owning a business and <laughs> yeah. during this time, this is obviously very unsettling and a little bit scary, but mm-hmm. um, I would love to know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this has probably been a bit of a challenge for you, but I would love to know like what have some of your biggest challenges been as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, maybe even a female entrepreneur in that, in that, uh, that energy. Yeah. Do you mean like in, in like the energy we're in, in isolation or on the bigger scale? Um, I would say on the bigger scale, but we can yeah. always like hone yeah. in on that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately my own limiting beliefs, you know, I feel like as soon as you dive into entrepreneurship or running your own business, <clears throat> you do get faced with some monsters you didn't know were there before. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of inner work at the beginning, you know, little things like, especially money, money beliefs just all came to the surface. There were some mammoth ones that I uncovered. I was like, whoa, I had no idea. I believe I, that was to do with my relationship with money. So that piece, um, you know, the imposter syndrome, you know, do I have a right to, to coach women through confidence? You know, I'm not confident every single day, you know, like just because I had hit rock bottom in my relationship, how does that mean I get to help people? So I had to have worked through that. I also don't think imposter syndrome ever goes away. I feel like mm-hmm. as you grow in, in internally and externally, the imposter just kind of comes along with you, comes along mm-hmm. for the ride. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that something that you can relate to as well? 
A hundred percent. I find like the more I learn, the more I realize there's only more to learn. And who am I to be teaching, you know, what I know when I know that there's only more to know? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, oh, do I get to be, do I get to help people when I'm still learning? But I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. we have to remind ourselves of the proof that of course, I mean, we should, everybody in life should always be seeing it through the lens of a learner. Totally. And what has always given me a bit of solace is knowing that, you know, I benefited from someone else teaching me this. So now someone Mm. else might be able to benefit from me teaching them this. So, you know, there's always someone who might be in your wake who needs this information. So even though there is more to learn and I have people that I look to and, and people that, you know, constantly inspire me and educate me, I can still be that person for someone else who's still going down this journey. And, you know, maybe I'm only one step ahead of them, but if I can be a value and of service to them, then that is something that has really helped me with that imposter yeah. piece. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's so important that we have that compassion for ourselves, I think, because if we don't, we're just going to end up in this kind of dark place. Yes. And that's, that's a whole rabbit hole that we could absolutely yeah. go down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges in this work. What have some of your biggest wins been as an entrepreneur? Getting feedback from my clients. I think so far it's the most, whenever you feel, whenever I felt, and I feel like anybody who's an entrepreneur is listening is self-doubt does come through. It comes through the, like the imposter, it comes through as fear. It comes through as comparison. And I think, you know, being able to ground into my client's words when I get messages from them or, you know, one of the, you know, some of the NLP techniques, even to this day when I'm using them, it blows my mind when I watch clients just watch their face just how different they look when they've released a limiting belief from when they were five you know it's crazy and it's just such this kind of I feel grateful when I get to see that that's the work I'm doing right now and I think that's my biggest win is like getting that feedback whether they don't even have sometimes they don't have to say anything I just, you can just see it that they've let something go and it's been so powerful I think that has been my biggest win as a confidence coach for sure I love that. And that's just speaks to, you know, your ability to be of service and is Mm. very likely your, your why and why you continue to do this work. Exactly. It is. Yeah. I love it. So, um, you mentioned really briefly at the beginning, um, the, the emotional elegance program that you're offering. And I assume that that's kind of your big project that you're working on right now. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So it's actually running right now. Um, I've been building it for months. So this is actually the first launch. So there are incredible women in there right now working through um, it's four modules and basically emotional elegance. The program itself is to help women learn how to embrace their emotions and no longer distract themselves from them. And it is, you know, directed a lot to women in relationships, but in this, in terms, of this program it's relationships where as the umbrella term more in the idea of connection so your relationship with yourself your relationship with your partner with anybody that you come into contact with you know I believe it's important for us to hold this elegance around our emotions and how we respond to them so I teach women you know how to feel into their emotions forgive those forgive those people who handed them stories about how to process emotions, permission to feel. Um, we go into like a lot of deep release work um, using the subconscious and the power of the subconscious to kind of release emotions trapped in your timeline. So, you know, from this is the inner child piece where it's like, okay, there could have been your first experience of anger. Okay. Maybe that was when you were six. Let's dive into that and they get to release it. Um, I teach them, you know, 
uh, like techniques, like actual NLP techniques that you can use at home on yourself to shift your emotional state in an instant and how to create emotional connection with other people. So that's, that's emotional elegance. And then the, um, the other sort of project for me right now is Calibrate to Confidence, which is my three-month one-on-one mentorship, which I love so much. I love being one-on-one with people. Amazing. I like, I, there's so much more I want to unpack and I, <laughs> I feel like we could record a whole other episode learning about you so know, all these techniques and everything. Will you be yeah. launching another round of emotional elegance in the future? Cause I assume because it's a coaching program right now with the group, you'll probably yeah. move forward and launch again in the future. Yeah, I definitely love teaching it live. Um, I have learned that pre-recorded for me as well. I think pre-recorded programs, I don't learn as much. If I'm with the coach on the call and I can ask questions, I learn more. So I'm planning on relaunching um, Emotional Elegance at the end of the summer. Um, there's, I've already got so many ideas of what to add to it. I feel like it's just going to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And then Calibrate to Confidence, the mentorship, that, the door is always open for that. Amazing. Awesome. And I will link to all of this in the show notes so that people can track it down as well. Um, So just a couple last questions for you before we wrap up. Um, How can people connect with you online? Um, So I'm very active on my Instagram. So that's at Natalie. Oh, it's at Natalie underscore Karen Sayer underscore coaching. Um, Alternatively through my podcast, which is the Choosing Confidence podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen. Um, And then my website, which is www.nataliekarensayer.com. Fantastic. And I'll link all those in the show notes as well. one last question before I ask you my last question. What are you, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to when this, this period of physical distancing is over? Oh, hugging my friends. I think <laughs> I'm, I just, you know what? I cannot wait for the wine and cheese nights. Like I am so excited to just sit around a table and drink wine and just not be freaking out that I want to hug my friend or something. Right. I miss it's the girls a lot. Things. Oh, isn't it? It's yeah. so okay. Like I didn't think I would value a hug more than I ever have right now. <laughs> well, just actual human faces. Like my girlfriend came to my house yesterday and we went for like a, just the two of us, a two meter apart walk. And I literally said to her, I think you might be the first human face of a friend I have seen in a month. You know, I see people walking, but they're not necessarily like my pals or anything, maybe, or maybe one other person, but she actually came out of her way yesterday to come to my house. I was like, oh, I miss you. I want to hug you. And she's pregnant too. And I'm like, I can't hug you. (laughs) I know. Right. Air hugs. Yeah. (laughs) Elbow taps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so, it's surreal. I think we're going to come out of this with a ton of new perspective and appreciation for those little things. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Amazing. So my last question for you, uh, everyone that I I chat with gets this question. Uh, What is your definition of balance? Ooh, my definition of balance is being really comfortable with the polarities of life. So being okay with being happy and being sad in any given moment, because you can experience to any, you can experience multiple emotions in one go. So be happy in that, in that up and down. I absolutely love that because that's just it. We're never in the middle of the pendulum. No, so constantly swinging. uh (laughs) Yeah. So maybe, yeah, balance is being in okay in both both ends you don't have to be in the middle to be balanced 
I love that. Wow. Thank you. I'm I'm really excited for people to to learn more about this. So I will link to everything that you mentioned in the show notes. And uh, in the meantime, um, we'll just keep watching your your awesome Instagram stories. They're so fun. Thank you. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love being on Instagram. (laughs) Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I I really enjoyed our conversation. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime in in the future. Okay. Thank (laughs) you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode as expansive as I did. If you enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe, and review. It means so much to us. If you would like to learn more about The Balanced Collective and our offerings, please visit www.thebalancedcollective.com or hit us up on Instagram at The Balanced Collective. Thank you so much, and please keep spreading your light.